It is Thursday morning in Dallas, Texas. It's Thursday evening, I guess, in Europe. <laughs> it's Friday morning in East Asia and in Australia. Ah, that's a global report you just threw down. Well, we got people listening all over the world. Hello, folks. Normally, we are joining you on Wednesday on your commute to work, from work. Uh, if you'd rather not be spending time with your family or with your friends. But today, we're coming to you on a Thursday. It's a day late. It doesn't matter. We're still going to put numbers on the boards. And there is no one in the world that I would rather be joined by than with my main man, my PIC, my BFFL. Oh, oh. Jeff Skinway. Man, Bob, those are kind words. And I think you legitimately felt like you meant those when you said it, but clearly you'd rather have Dirk on than me right now. But that's okay, I mean, dude. Uh, it's non Dirk right. division. Right, right. Non Dirk division. I do run the non Dirk division. Yeah. All yeah. right. And that's, I, you know, the, the Dirk division only consists of one person. Right. So there's it. like seven billion in yours. That's right. So, man, what an honor. It's, uh, it's good to be here with you, Bob, sipping on coffee on a Thursday morning, ready to talk a little Mavericks basketball. Oh, by the way, it seems like there's a lot to talk about. There is a whole lot to talk about, man. We First first off, you and I haven't talked in this room, uh, in our little remote podcast studio, if you can even call it that, at Mavs HQ, since before Christmas. Where did we do the last one? Uh, on the plane. Remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah, we did it 40,000 feet above Kentucky. I think DA was snoring in front of us. Yeah. Did that pick up on the podcast? Did people uh, hear him snore? Uh, I don't think so. Hopefully, okay. hopefully, if, if you out there listen to the podcast, uh, hopefully you found it tolerable to the ear. That plane can be pretty loud, so I tried to work some magic on it. And, and I, I'm pleased with how it came out, but hopefully it, uh, it all came across to you. I didn't hear any complaints. That's a good thing. Okay. Because the internet will complain when it's just oh even mildly irritating. Oh, absolutely, man. One time we had Followell on, and I, I guess like Followell has a, has a tendency to talk for a very long time. That's so, right, Bob. <laughs> and sometimes when he's talking, he'll look at you. And so he'll be talking, and then he'll turn away and kind of talk like this so it gets a little quieter. And then he'll turn back to the mic, and it gets louder. And uh-huh. apparently when he turned away, it was just too much for people. So Oh, right. Yeah, because he's, uh, you know, he's got a booming voice. And so the when the cannon comes and goes, you know, that can yeah. be a shock to your uh, oral senses, so yeah. to speak. So the next time we had follow-on, we actually clamped his head to <laughs> the mic. <laughs> so he just couldn't look around. I love that. Yeah, we, we put him in a neck brace and everything. It was great. <laughs> So, uh, okay, we got a lot to talk about. This is going to be pretty fast and furious. There's going to be some takes flying. You and I might get in a fight, but hopefully before we end, we can... Make amends. Yeah, resolve. Okay. I feel like we're going to go through the 10 stages of of relationship or whatever. Uh, Let's start with the biggest stuff, I guess, with what we can add, what we can say about it. Not really much has changed, but if you read the internet, uh, if you got Twitter... If you have uh, been watching the games on TV, I'm sure mm-hmm. you guys have talked about it a little bit. You know about the rumors, about Dennis, about the Mavs, all that stuff. Uh, really, nothing has changed, I guess, since Monday night or Sunday night, whenever this stuff started happening. Right. Um, Dennis has not been with the team. Last few games, first it was back, then it was a uh, illness. Uh, but he's not tw- like in a rap way. Like he had a stomach bug. Well, I mean, he is also. Have you ever seen him play basketball? The dude is ill. Oh, he's ill with it. Yeah. Absolutely, he's illmatic. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> can you be listed on a uh, on a report, an injury report, as illmatic? Just too much sauce. Yeah. Can't, couldn't couldn't <laughs> get him. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I guess 
I don't really know what to say about those rumors because I don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I spend a whole lot of time with Cuban and Donnie. We're like best friends with those guys, yeah. obviously. We were just with them. Yeah, like right before this. Uh, Eating but scones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on a yacht, actually. Yeah. Um, but they don't really tell us too much about any of that stuff. No, um, unfortunately. doesn't really talk too much about that. Rick's not inviting me into practices, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, but you guys, he was also eating scones on the yacht with us. But yeah. He, he was course. like on the opposite end of the table right. from you. Yeah. Right. So it was kind of, you know, you, you could feel the space between y'all. But, um, yeah, I mean, whether it happens, whether it doesn't happen, I guess that's going to be the dominant storyline surrounding this team for the next period of time. Trade deadline is February 7th. Who knows? But I think the most um, the most relevant take that I have about any of this is it kind of like it kind of confirms what you and I were saying before. Like at the beginning of the year, remember, you'd log onto the Internet right after they get Luca and it's like, oh, my God, they got to get rid of Dennis now. Mm-hmm. Like they got to they got to clear it out for Luca. You can't have two ball handlers. And then the rumors happen that the Mavs are thinking about trading or whatever that the Mavs are exploring trade interest, however you want to phrase it. And it's like, what are they doing? Those idiots. Right. And like, all it took was half a season for people to realize what we've been saying all along. We've been saying for months, like sometimes you need to have multiple guys take care of the ball. This is why, this is why I think, uh, golden state needs to get rid of Durant or Curry or clay, because I mean, you can't, there's you only one clear the way. You need to get rid of those guys. Yeah. Actually get rid of two of them. Right. And just keep one of them. Yeah. I, uh, it's, the where it stands right now the Dennis thing is very disappointing the main reason being like if I'm just going to take whatever affinity I have for Dennis or for Luca or Beret or whatever whatever affinity I have for these particular players conceptually speaking the modern NBA is multiple playmakers Uh, in fact I think yesterday before after the game didn't Carlisle say playmakers rule the modern NBA Yeah, he said that before the game and then uh, also if you look at it Bob how many top 10 picks have the Mavericks had in the last 20 years? Uh, I'm going to go with zero. Well, well, one. I mean, two. But two, like, but it, before, before that. Before Dennis, one. Devin. Zero. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because they okay. traded for they it. They traded for it. But yes. as far as them landing in the lottery, right. Jason Kidd, what, 1994? Yeah. Uh, that would have been. Uh, well, or Dirk. Dirk. Right. Yeah. But I'm saying really since they got Dirk. Yeah, okay. And my point being is that it's very difficult when you're good to land top 10 talent and Dennis is top 10 talent. So me personally, I want to develop that top 10 talent. Now, if something materializes and it doesn't work out, I have zero interest in moving that top 10 talent when all the other people on the market perceive it as, Oh, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to fleece these guys because they have a problem on their hands. So I don't know how this thing escalated so quickly anchorman style, but it did. Um, and I think that's just kind of a symptom of the times, right? Well, like, everything just seems so dramatic. It's be, and, and this is kind of where I wanted to get to, too. I think on the inside, it's not as bad as people think it is on the outside. But I also think that the outside impacts the inside. And it's the echo chamber that is. And, and I, I just remember when I, before I worked for the team or before I worked in sports radio, when I would go on the Internet and read all these rumors and believe that they're true. Okay, well, wow, this is, did you guys hear that this team offered this? Is like, no, they didn't. And so my belief, you know, again, if Mark and Donnie wanted to come on and say, no, Skin, you're wrong, but my belief is that they really weren't, quote-unquote, shopping Dennis. They weren't. But what has happened is that there's so many rumors about it and so much talk about it 
that I don't care uh, who you are, how secure you are with your abilities and your confidence in yourself. If every time you open up your Instagram account or your Twitter account, it's people saying you're going to get traded, that that has an impact on you. Well, and that's been happening for seven months. Right. And so what I'm saying is, is sometimes the outside can impact the inside because of the nature of the echo chamber. It's inevitable. I can remember, uh, you know, when I was first getting into radio, they had these radio message boards. And I can remember going on to radio message boards and reading rumors about me and Ben that I knew were nowhere near true and sitting here reading this stuff and getting mad and wanting to respond. And I'm sitting there, you know, it's very hard to have the perspective to go, dude, don't worry about it. That has no impact on your life. That's just this thing that exists out here. But I just think people in general, depending on your personality, it's difficult to ignore that stuff. And that's why, you know, do you remember when Dennis posted it was like the early remember the early rumors that the the veterans are freezing out luca yeah remember that crap uh and then you know then the Ma the mavericks were on this great run and i remember dennis posting a picture of him and deandre hugging and saying something don't let fake news and all right that stuff, yeah. and it's just like but why do you even feel compelled to respond to that it's because it's hard not to and and i really don't expect a 20 slash 21 year old person without a lot of life experience to be above the fray yeah it's one year into his career <laughs> it's impossible man and so what i think has happened is i think the echo chamber has made things difficult for everybody involved but i feel confident knowing that the front office which is a collective of people that all have different opinions on things in no way wanted to trade a top 10 pick within a year and a half of having him and do it in an atmosphere where other teams think they can come in and get him on a bad deal. Yeah. That's that, And that's where we are right now. And that is in no way helpful to the Mavericks, whether they do or don't want to keep him or he do or doesn't want to be here. That's just a bad situation. It's never, ever been the way that Donnie Nelson does business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, Dennis was – he averaged, what, 15-5-4 last year, I think, mm -hmm. were his per-game averages. And right. he's one of – They whatever. were Russ numbers. They yeah, were he's Russell like one Westbrook of ten guys ever numbers. to do that. Right. Yeah, second-team all-rookie. I feel like he would have been first-team had the Mavs won 31 instead of 24 games. And, right. like, half their games came down to the last 20 seconds. So, I mean, like, they were – they were not close to being a playoff team, but they were close to being good enough for him to get first team. I'll put it to you like this. What if they didn't even know they were going to get Luka and they decided to trade Dennis before the draft last year? Do you know how much you could have gotten for him? Oh, yeah. It would have been through the freaking roof. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of these, like, I wonder if even, like, leverage is affected by outside noise, right? Because you get Luka and all of a sudden Luka is so good that – kind of everybody and i kind of talked about this a few minutes ago even fans are thinking like well dennis is expendable now right you get luca and he's at he's putting up he's averaging 25 5 and 5 in his last four years 27 8 and 8 in his last four games mm -hmm. guys averaging 25 6 and 5 for the last month and a half they don't need dennis like they'll yeah they'll just try and get rid of him that like fans think that maybe teams think that i don't know if luca's so good that it affects other players value i have no idea it does. Yeah. It does. Let me give you a quick example. Okay. Just because uh, we had Stein on the radio show last week, Mark Stein. And he had this big New York Times story, you know, where he just hits these nuggets. And one of the nuggets was there's a ton of chatter in the NBA about Dennis Smith Jr. And so, you know, I've known Stein a long, long time. And he was 
adamant that the Mavericks did not tell him they were shopping him. He went to a G League uh, showcase, and he said when he walked in, he goes, man, I wasn't there five minutes. And this is like, you know, all these GMs and personnel people from other teams were hitting it because Stein has always been associated with the Mavericks. People from other teams were coming to him going, what's the deal on Dennis? And he's like, eh, you know, and so he reacts to that because, dude, he's in the fray, right? And so, but my point is, is that just because other people think that doesn't mean that that's what the people on the inside want. And that's how this thing gets going, you know? And so now it's like a week ago, the Mavericks are talking to Orlando and Phoenix. And then three days later, people from Phoenix are like, we're not interested in Dennis Smith Jr. It's like, what do you want to believe? What it, What is the noise that's being created? But ultimately, you have to develop the player, whether you're going to keep him or not, because if you don't develop him, the value of the asset falls. And if you don't develop him and you choose to, and you want to keep him, then all of a sudden he's not as helpful to your team. Right. But I will say this, right? Uh, Michael Fenley loves Dennis. I think Donnie Nelson loves Dennis. I think Mark Cuban loves Dennis. And Rick, even though this stuff in the rumor mill, blah, 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 he relied on Dennis a lot last year, mm-hmm. and he relied on Dennis a lot this year too. I like I like I like where you're going because I want to throw out there. Yeah, you know some of the most effusive praise I have heard of any Maverick player this year has been Rick after the Clipper game, and Rick after the Houston Rockets game on the road where yep. Dennis had the, those huge two. Right, so there's been times where Rick has been effusive with his praise of Dennis and his development. Yet, if you go online or read whatever, it's, oh, my God, Rick is running Dennis out of here. And I just... It paints this picture that they, like, hate each other's, like, on a pathological level. Right. You know, and I'm I'm not sure that it's to that degree. I think, you know, Rick maintains very high expectations from his players and even gets especially mad... Especially point guards. Yeah, especially point guards. And he gets mad at Luca after Luca takes a couple too many threes. Oh, I mean, yeah. Rick, Rick gets mad a lot. He has very high expectations. That's part of what's made him so successful. But Dennis and development... Um, I was curious yesterday, just kind of sitting around thinking about basketball, kind of like a... What a nerd. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I really am a nerd. And I, I thought, you know what, Dennis, ha- I, I bet you he's had the largest leap in three-point percentage of like high-volume shooters ever from year one to year two. So I thought, all right, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. Turns out there's really no easy way to look this stuff up it took a very long time sounds like something i would have quit five minutes into. yeah yeah so and i then did called a, bobby and said do you know how to do this yeah and i would have done it for you anyway so <laughs> i love you. uh i looked up basketball reference rookies who took at least three threes per game in okay. their first season and shot under 32 percent so those okay. are some arbitrary numbers but three is a whole lot of threes and 32 percent is really not good and no. last year dennis was 31.3 or right. 31.5 which was we we're going man that's a problem yeah he I was hoping it would be cool if he could get to like 33 or 34 this year. Yeah. But there was reason for optimism because last year his catch and shoot numbers were so good. He was like 40% on catch and shoot threes and he was really good at open jump shots and he just didn't get any last year. Yeah. So, all right, you get Luke all of a sudden to get more open shots, boom. So, this year, Dennis is shooting 37% from three. 37-1, I think, is the exact number. And, uh,. That's playing for like two weeks with a bum wrist where his shooting numbers tanked. Right. Before he Great hurt that point. wrist, he was like 41% on threes. Yeah. It was incredible. He, okay. was, he was stroking it. What do you think is, uh, for a, whatever you want to say, 
uh, high volume shooter, not even this. I don't like that terminology, but for someone who's consistently shooting threes, and that's his, that's part of his game. What do you think is an acceptable number? Well, you said before that the Mavericks consider like thirty-seven five, basically the cutoff. If you can be above that, you're good. Yeah, there's a. So I was having a conversation with a, a guy last year, towards the end of last year, that you know he is NBA royalty. And we were talking about Dennis's shot. You're talking to LeBron. I was talking to LeBron. Wow. Uh, but it was just a guy named LeBron that works. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. Okay. And uh, but anyways, we were talking about shot mechanics, and I was asking him about Dennis's shot mechanics, and you know, what do you tweak or not tweak, or what do you? And and the the first thing the guy said was, well, what's his percentage? And I go, well, what do you think's a good percentage? And he's like, well, you know, if thirty-seven and a half is is you know about the line for me. And I was like, well, I think he, you know, at the time I think he was shooting 31. Or, and I was like, and his response was, oh, that's way too low. Uh, and so he's like, I don't know that I would, quote, unquote, change his shot, but that number has to come up. And then here we are six months later. That was at, towards the end of last season, eight months later, whatever. And Dennis's numbers came it's up, up in a very, without even, like you said, being on the floor a bunch and having injuries and all this stuff. And so it was trending in the right way which I think the reason we got on this in the first place is a development conversation. Yeah, well, and really, I mean, if you were I, – I know down the stretch last season it was difficult sometimes to find reason for optimism because the losses really piled up after right. the All-Star break. Right. But from basically, I want to say March 1st, it was like right at the beginning of the month, if not toward the end of February, through the beginning of April. So over about a month to a month and a half stretch, he was shooting about 37% on threes. Mm. So, I mean, he started that upward curve last yeah. year, and it carried over into this year. He started 40%, then had a couple of bad weeks, and then came back and was in, you know climbing back up. But anyway, he's at about 37, 37 and a half right now. So he's in, improved his three-point percentage by six percentage points, which is crazy yeah. for anybody to do no matter where you started. Right. So I thought, all right, this is going to be pretty historic, right? So I looked it up. Turns out there's only like 35 guys that have qualified for that, so three-plus attempts minus 32 uh -huh. percentage right um lonzo ball lonzo ball is yeah and i don't think his percentages have increased this year. i haven't looked but i don't think it has either yeah. <laughs> his dude he's so good defensively and in the open floor and the guy cannot shoot right now and yeah. if he could oh my god he'd be so good he'd be an all-star dude he's harp is a believer that his shot will be fine I, I i mean he's so young and he's so good at everything else right like, but, man. There was just so much Rick talk. Rick is already saying he's the best defensive point guard in the league. He's 20. There was so much talk about his dad that it overshadowed what a it was so Jason Kidd-like about him. He's yep. got so many of those kid qualities. Yeah, he just comes out of nowhere to make, to make plays, dude. It's crazy. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, okay. So, yeah, Lonzo Ball is one of them. And, really, I mean, this list only goes back to, like, 1994. Really, Jamal Mashburn's rookie year was what ninety two, uh, ooh ninety three, somewhere so, in there. And he was the he was the it earliest. went Jimmy Jackson, then Mashburn, then kids. So okay. I think ninety three. Yeah, and so he was the first one to to qualify for this. So because I mean, in the eighties, Larry Bird was taking one three per game. Right. You know, right. no one right. was no one shot threes. Yeah. yeah. So this list starts then. So it's the last twenty five years. There's basically thirty five guys. So about one per year. J.R. Smith had the highest improvement from year one to year two. And then Jason Kidd had uh -huh. the second highest improvement, and then third place Dennis Smith. How about that? So, and and again, so that's he's going to win a championship list. based on that. 
in year 18 or whatever. <laughs> so just, well, well J.R. Smith won one, too. Yeah, so. that's true. That's true. Um, and By the again, way, almost a scratch golfer. Not a lot of people know that about J.R. Smith? Yes. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. How about that? Yeah, that's pretty. I, I, who do you think is the best golfer in the NBA? If he's almost scratched, then he's got to be... He's got to be up there. Uh, I think. Now, I haven't. I don't know. I heard Steph was oh, too yes, near the Steph top of all good. that, and he plays in all those pro-am things. Yeah. Um, I bet Steph's probably up there. Yeah. I mean, a lot of coaches are very good and, like, former players because yes. they, they just get a little more time. Right. But DA is one. Of, I heard Brad Davis is really good. Really? Around here. DA's Apparently good. Rick is really good, too. Yeah. I think Rick goes through these phases, according to a conversation I had with his wife, and he went through a golf phase when he was in Portland. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been through a bowling phase. He's been through a table tennis phase. Bowling is fun. I love bowling. Bowling, bowling go hard, great. you know? Bowling is great. Yes. Um, so, yeah, but I anyway. think Rick's good at a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's pretty hey, good I'm going to teach myself piano right quick. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going to learn how to fly a plane. Right. All right. Cool. <laughs> yeah, let's a, uh, do that. He has a meat challenge and accept challenge <laughs> and uh, surpass expectations Yeah, of for me, it's guy. like I hope to read one book per month. <laughs> and Rick is like, I'm going to pilot a 757. Oh, man, so that's, that's why we're paid differently. I haven't read a book since high school. Oh, Kill no. Me. Don't admit that. Don't admit yeah, that. I'm but sorry. anyway, I Again, those are kind of arbitrary numbers, but that just gives you an idea of how far Dennis has improved. So anyway, kind of next is, all right, I know that I like Dennis. I know that you like Dennis. I love Dennis. We've said this forever. Yeah. Dude, I love the guy. I really like the player. I think he's going to be very good. I really like the person. He's just a nice guy, genuine guy. Yeah. Um, but I think there's another layer for why. I mean, if, if I'm calling the shots which i'm not and be grateful that i'm not <laughs> um i'm choosing to keep dennis right i mm-hmm. want to or at least for as long as as he wants to be here and his contract allows blah 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 um and last night and i mean i don't want to look too far into any one game or two games for support or uh, an argument against an opinion because first off i'm not out there to not spit takes right right to quote dirk like i'm i'm getting my takes off no matter what uh and also a career is about 1,300 games, mm-hmm. if you're lucky. Yep. It's not three. So, but the last few games with Luca out there without Dennis, he's put up some very good numbers. He's incredible. He's put up some in very, like, historically good numbers. But yeah. it has been a hold-on for dear life win against Minnesota, mm-hmm. and it's been a pretty competitive loss to Golden State and then yep. it has been a very disappointing loss to the Spurs and yep. I only say disappointing I mean if you tell me you lose to the Spurs by four I'm like well you know that's that happens but if you're up 19 in the first quarter and if you're up 18 in the second quarter you got to win that game if you're up double digits at halftime you got to win that game here's what my fear is about the San Antonio game and what it tells us how did San Antonio get back into that game uh well they started forcing some turnovers mm-hmm uh, they made some threes. Their bench just exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, and how long did that take? Uh, I mean, it depends on when you consider the run starting. But it was forty-four to twenty-six, and then at halftime, that lead was almost cut in half. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the third quarter, it was gone. My feeling, without going back and looking at a play-by-play sheet, my feeling was that that run took about two quarters. In other words, it wasn't a run. Yeah, it was a sustained. It was a sustained methodical we're just going to play basketball and then they gradually caught up and then there's there were some times where they were swapping big buckets right and they gradually caught up and then they they beat the Mavericks and without going back and really breaking the game down this is just memories from a game that was 12 hours ago or whatever was that uh 
there's not enough playmaking on this team with J.J. gone. That is what I was going to say. And last night, and please don't take this the wrong way. I'm not taking shots at the guy. I'm a big believer in the guy. But last night, if Harrison Barnes had hit two more shots, I think it's a different game. I mean, there was, was a time in the late in the fourth quarter where Barnes missed a three. San Antonio got the rebound. Then they came down. Barnes missed a three. They got the rebound, and then West missed a three. I mean, that's yeah. like three, and they were all open. I mean, they're all great looks. And and also there was times where in that later part of the quarter, going into the first part of the next quarter, where they were really wanting Harrison to score, uh, because you, I I like Jalen Brunson, but you can't just throw Jalen Brunson in the JJ role and go, okay. Go be JJ because he ain't. He ain't yep. gonna be JJ. Yeah. Took JJ seven or eight years to be JJ, right? Yeah. So if you look at really the success of that second unit, and even before the JJ injury, I think Rick started tweaking things to have moments where Luca was out there with those guys to create more playmaking. Because with that second unit, it was is JJ on or not? And if JJ was on, the second unit smashed people. And if he wasn't hitting shots, it was a grind. So there was already tweaks being made to make sure there was extra playmaking in tow. And then out of nowhere, J.J.'s gone. And so what I think if you look at the way those lineups were tweaked, the hopes were, hey, man, look at the last two years. When we needed a bucket, we'd go to Harrison Barnes. So what are we going to do when Luca's not on the floor? Well, let's rely a little more on Harrison. And last night, Harrison couldn't shoot. Yep. But Harrison's had a lot of games where he can't miss. Mm. And so my thought was, no one's told me this, but my thought was that as the, the rotations get tweaked to try to have some playmaking when Luke is not out there, Barnes is going to be a very important piece. And quite honestly, if, he, if his shot was even remotely close to the way it's been, the Mavericks win that game. They just could not generate offense. Because, again, it wasn't some run they had to stop. It was just a sustained chip, 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 chip. And if Luca didn't get it done last night, it probably wasn't going to get done. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. I mean, and last night Barnes was one of eight for three. And for the last three months, he's been like 42%. Right. So, I mean, just it was a pretty it was a, seismic shift. It was tough, yeah. It's very tough. And San Antonio does a very good job of playing defense. So, I mean, it's not like they were just, right. you know, not – I mean, they were off, but it was not like they were just giving the game away, right? right. San Antonio had to come take it. But Every time um, every time there was a stoppage in play, I looked up, and San Antonio's field goal percentage just had gone up a little bit more, yep. and then a little bit more, and then a little bit more, and ours wasn't going up, and wasn't going up, and wasn't going up. It was just – and again, it wasn't fast break action. It wasn't a quick rebound and two quick threes and bam, bam, timeout. It wasn't like a normal NBA run. Mm. They just caught you over two it quarters. It was just – it wasn't like – 80-yard touchdown run and then a pick six. It was yeah. just a couple field goals, right. you know. But if you chip. give up seven field chip. goals in a row, that chip. adds up to a lot of points. Chip, chip, um, chip. So Luca comes out about six minutes into the game, seven minutes into the game, and then you still have your starters out there, and Brunson comes in to replace him. And like you said, they were kind of playing through Barnes. And before the game, Rick said, sometimes if the starting lineup is going really well, it might change the way that I do things, right? So meaning basically – if Luca is just dominating and no one else has it going, he's going to leave Luca in. Right. If everybody else has it going, he'll take Luca out. And in the first quarter, everybody had it going. I mean, right. Wes was killing it. I think he had seven or eight points in the first quarter. He was great. Yeah, Maxi hit a couple threes. So Luca comes out early. Brunson goes in, and really for the rest of the first quarter, it was tough. I mean, mm -hmm. they were up thirty-five to twenty at the end of the first quarter, but they had twenty-three points in like five minutes. Wasn't it twenty-three-four? It was twenty-three to four. Yeah, yeah. and and it, that's not saying that Jalen Brunson sucks or anything because no. the guy's really good. Yeah. But against the Spurs, 
against an angry Spurs team. Pop is like livid. He called two timeouts in the first quarter. I mean, that's very unusual. Uh, it's going to be tough to break him down. So then in the third quarter, things kind of were getting a little tense, right? We're yes. all getting nervous, and right. San Antonio's making a push, and Luca plays for the first 11 minutes of the third quarter. Right. Because he was starting to feel it, and they didn't have a whole lot else going on. Right. Which is cool. Because Luca being on the floor is great whenever he's your point guard and he's really your main source of offense. But it also means he needs to get a rest at some point, and so he sits for the last minute or so of the third and then for the first four or five of the fourth. Mm-hmm. And so it really comes down to when do you want him to sit for six minutes? Do you want it to be in the third quarter or do you want it to stretch into the fourth? Because it stretched into the fourth and San Antonio went on a pretty big run then too. Yep. Or continued it, I guess. To the point where when Luka checks in, it's like a four or five point game, and it's like, all right, well here you go. <laughs> you know the game know is on the line. I save know you're us. cold right now. Go save us. Yeah, rookie. And, and there's really there's no way around it. Yeah. Guys need to rest. Like, right. It, sure. It would be cool if Luka played 48 minutes. I would love it. Like even LeBron sits. LeBron sits for six minutes in the fourth quarter. Like it's crazy, but he comes in and just dominates because he's that good because he's done it forever. Right. But have you, have you pondered at all the concept too of in the middle of all this that a rookie wall might be lurking? Yeah, but no, I, I, I don't I, think it is, man. Well, that that's I, I don't, and I guess you know I need to define his, his the terms. shooting numbers were bad for about a month mm-hmm. in in December and into January a little bit. His shooting numbers tanked. Right. And he, he's, they're coming back up, so I, maybe that was you, his wall. Do you know off the top of your head how many games Real Madrid played last year? Uh, they Well, Luca played, I think, almost 70. Okay. Okay. I think he might have missed a couple. Uh-huh. But because in the, in the domestic league they play, I, I want to say, like 40. And then in um, Euro League they play 30 regular season and then uh, – or maybe 34 regular season and then they play some playoffs. Generally, the rookie wall exists for college players or high school players that played 30 games last yeah. year, 33 games last year. So, you know, I've been pondering the idea, well, he's already been playing pro ball, so he may not hit a rookie wall. However, there is – you know, in the NBA, they play more frequently in a week, and the travel is different. You know, I doubt there's been like, you know, four-hour flights, and you know, I mean, it's just none of those in Spain, right? So my point being is that I think the degree to which a rookie wall happens will be smaller just because of his experiences already. But I think you know you have to expect some drop at some point. I mean, five consecutive twenty-five point games. You know, the last Maverick to do that was Dirk the year after the championship. It was has it, What was the last rookie to do that? Uh, the last rookie to do that was Steph Curry. Come on, dude. Yeah. And he did it at the end of his rookie year. Yeah, at the very end, whenever yeah. games aren't as intense. Right. <laughs> uh, wow, dude. The, the last one to do it before him was Melo, who, I mean, came into the league as a ready-made, polished 20. And, <laughs> and he was on a good team. Like yeah, he they, was on a good team, yeah. yeah. I mean, Melo gets a lot of crap, but, dude, his first five years in the league, he was so he was good. so baller. He was so good. So and baller. he gave the Mavs so much trouble. Yeah. I mean, that 2009 playoff series was painful. Dirk uh, was the only guy who balled out in that series. Yeah. I mean, he balled out. He was, like, getting 40 and 10. Yeah. It was crazy. Uh, okay, so I'm, I'm glad you brought up the rookie wall thing because kind of where I was going with this Lucas stuff is, yeah, he's going to need to take a rest, and then he's going to come in, and it's going to be all on his shoulders. And that's great because Luke is really good, and he's proven that he can lead an offense whenever he's the, the guy, mm-hmm. right? Right. But that might work for a game or two here or there, but – there's only a couple guys in the league, and even they have asterisks 
uh, beside their name who can carry an offense, basically are in in charge, are responsible for every single field goal attempt that their team takes in a game. And the only two players that even come close to qualifying for that in the last 10 or so years is Harden and LeBron. And Harden really in the last two years, really this year, last year there was Chris Paul. And LeBron has done it for a while now, but whenever he was on his best teams, Kyrie was helping him. Right. In that 2016 finals, Kyrie averaged like 30 a game. I mean, he had he scored 40, I think, back-to-back games when yeah. Cleveland made their comeback. And he right. obviously hit the shot to win the championship. Right. And that was an, a brilliant play. They specifically ran the rub so that Kyrie would have Steph on him because yeah. they knew Kyrie would abuse him. Yeah, that's some, he, good, that's some good basketball. And he did. Yeah, he did. Great shot. Clutch shot. One of the clutches in NBA history. James Harden, really high usage rate throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Even whenever he was coming off the bench in OKC. Mm-hmm. Goes to Houston. It's his show. They have some pretty good teams. But they didn't really take the leap until they added Chris Paul. Right. Now, is Luka good enough to do some of the hardened things? Probably. The guy can score. He can pass. He can rebound. He can get to the free throw line. He can pull up, post up, drive, everything. Right. He's complete. At 19 years old, he's almost a complete offensive player. But the physical and the mental strain Mm -hmm. that comes along with for 75 to 90 possessions per game, depending on how many minutes you play. Yep. You, that's how intense I am. I just yelled into the mic. I'm sorry. Okay. You are responsible for every single shot that your team gets. And in Harden's case, you don't even run plays. Many times in LeBron's case, you do not run plays. It is everybody clears out and you do something. Yeah. Asking a little kid to do that, and Doncic is a little kid. His 10-year challenge on Instagram was him and then, like, 9-year-old him. It was shocking. It was shocking. It was dude. the most jarring 10-year challenge I've seen. It was, it, was pretty, it was pretty crazy. To ask him to do that, Harden's, like, 28. LeBron is, you know, he's been doing it for a while now, but he's, he's a vet. Mm-hmm. Luke is a rookie. To ask him to do that every single game for an entire season is just... That's way too much. Well, let's take it one step further and use some context that you may have uh, unintentionally provided when you brought up Kyrie. Did you see what Kyrie was talking about last night? I did, but can you remind me? Kyrie Irving, uh, There's people want to say there's problems in Boston. I think there are minimal problems. But Kyrie was frustrated at the end of a game last week because he didn't get the shot. He wanted the shot. It went to Tatum, a second-year player. And then last night, Kyrie just willed them to an incredible win against Toronto. I think he had 18 assists and, I don't know, 40. I mean, he was incredible. Yeah. Everything down the stretch. And then after the game, was talking about how he called LeBron and apologized to LeBron for being the kid that wanted everything all right now and not really being ready for it and didn't have the perspective. Here we are talking about perspective with kids again. We started the podcast talking about it, and now we're talking about it later, and how it's hard to, to raise these kids and teach them how to do this. Now, this is a guy that's won a championship, that's on an elite team talent-wise in Boston, has played with LeBron. What is he, 27 or 28? I don't know how old Somewhere Kyrie there, is. Yeah. And he's talking about how it's just too much for the kids to handle. And here you and I are talking about this 19-year-old from another country, and he's got to do everything for the team to win right now. And it's yep. all just like when you really put it in perspective, boy, you talk about a brain rattler. 
man, there's a lot being asked of Luca right now. Yeah, there's a, a whole lot. lot. Two quick thoughts about that Kyrie thing. First off, I think it's cool that he's talking about it, even though it's kind of weird that he's saying it publicly. Like, mm-hmm. do you really have to do that? And then the second thing is, I think it's hilarious that he's talking about, yeah, I was a kid back then. This happened like a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> so what? It's like your freshman year in college saying, like, yeah, man, I remember those high school days. That was crazy. Right. You know, but anyway, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Kyrie was, you know, you do grow up a whole lot between your 21st birthday and your 25th, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, absolutely. And whenever you're handed the world, Kyrie won them a championship, and he's like 23 years old, your expectations for everything kind of change. Maybe yeah. your ego gets a little bigger, and maybe you're like, hey, LeBron, uh, remember who was responsible for that ring? Yeah, and it, but, but it's so funny because he was even nearing his rant. He was like, I mean, I was an all-star. It's like, you were an all-star. You didn't. You all weren't winning. Yeah. You didn't win games cares about being an all-star yeah you know people talk about winners they don't talk about guys loading up on stats on crap teams yeah and so it's like that whole thing of like you know i this is i try to do this and and raising my kids you know our kids gonna listen but the the thing like my son's 11 and so we're talking about something he's frustrated about something i'm like desmond how much more do you know now than you did when you were nine you know, and you just see the wheels kind of spinning. You know a lot more than you did at nine, right? Imagine how much you're going to know five years from now. Yeah. That never stops. It, you never stop learning and gaining perspective and getting more experience and understanding things. And so if you can somehow take that approach, you know, in your 20s, you know, I'm an adult now. And I was like, bro, you can't imagine how much more you're going to learn and see an additional perspective that you're going to gain. So... I know it's hard when you're a millionaire at 22 and people love you and tell you how great you are, but God, you just don't even know. You yep. just don't even know the half, how much more you're going to change and understand things differently. So to walk around with your chest out acting like you know everything is not a benefit to you. Sometimes it's cool to think old people are just old and wrong and lame, but they usually know what they're talking about. That's they, that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned in my life. They at least have the experience of the mistakes. Yeah. You know, I mean, I realize, you know, technology changes, the world changes, and young people are on the cutting edge of it. But what you don't have is the experience of all the mistakes you're about to go make. And you want to know who's made a whole lot of mistakes? LeBron James. Oh, my God, Dude has yes. made a ton of – there's a whole book written about one mistake yes. that he made. The Soul of Basketball. Yeah, great book, by the way. Great book. Um, but anyway, do I think that Luka can handle being the guy? Absolutely. I think he's there's already one of the 15, 20 best players in the NBA. I think he's going to be an all-star. Should be this year. He will be perennially. He'll be all-NBA. One day, maybe he'll be an MVP and a champion. I have no idea. Oh, he will. Go he Mavericks. Really, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Next season, baby. Yeah, let's do He this. is going to be freaking awesome. He already is. But you and I have said it all year. We've said it for seven months. We've said it before the draft last year. We said it whenever Dennis was the guy that everyone was pissed off if he didn't get the last shot. You need multiple guys. Yeah. You need, multiple, you need three. You need four. LeBron, amazing player but he wasn't really that great until he got Dwayne Wade. Right. And then he wasn't really that great until Kyrie came along. Right. right? Like, everybody needs something more than just a sidekick. you got to have multiple ways to beat teams. If Luka is your only way, then you're going to struggle to win games. Yeah. And I don't mean struggle to win a lot of games. I mean every game will be tight. Every game is going to be difficult. You right. might win more than you lose, but it's going to be tough. Did you, did you see uh, the footage of Harden walking off the floor last night? 
Uh, I didn't. I I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think he went for he went for fifty again. He had fifty eight in overtime. Yeah, and they lost. And they lost because they gave up a six point lead in the final thirty seconds or whatever oh, it was wow. to the Nets. So they they cratered at the end. Yeah. Um. They got dinwiddied. Know what I mean? Yeah. Uh. But as he's walking off the floor, he looks like you know he just went through a gang initiation. I mean, he looks like he's exhausted. He can't even hold his head up, and he he looks gutted. Because he just did all that, and they lost at home to the Nets, mm. and you know they don't have the guys right now. Yeah, it's all him or nothing, and that is—I don't care how good you are, Mr. MVP. It's too big a load to carry. Yeah, and he's been doing that for—I mean, the dude is averaging like forty-four a game for like a month and a half. Yeah, he's historically good, and the Rockets are still struggling to beat the Nets at home. Look at how much better the Thunder are now that Russ isn't trying to do every single thing, every yeah. single second of the game. They're probably the, they're one of the best teams in the West. Yeah, probably the second best. How right did Atlanta score one forty two on I them? Have no it's a idea, weird, dude. weird league night tonight. No Trey Young is pretty good. It turns out. I so guess everyone so. Can tap the brakes on all that. I guess so. But uh, yeah, I mean, dude, whether it's Dennis or whether it's somebody else, I don't know. Luca is amazing, but you got to have multiple ways to beat a team, mm-hmm. and that's not taking away anything from Barnes. I like Barnes a whole lot more than the average Mavs fan. And I also think it's too bad that people don't like Wes for what he isn't more than they appreciate him for what he is. Right. But those two guys are not really going to be creating for other people. They can no. create for themselves. Yeah. I will say Barnes and Wes have, have more assists these last few games without Dennis than they had with him, and that's understandable because mm-hmm. they're asked to do a little more playmaking. But if your starting lineup is Wes, Barnes, DeAndre, Maxi. that's four guys that are going to rely a whole lot on Luka. To create everything. Yeah, and so, you know, I – Moving forward, a lot of people, uh, I don't even want to generalize, but there might be two schools of thought. One might be Luka is hardened, so just give him shooting, give him a role man, and just let him do everything. I'm not sure that I am in that school. I don't agree with that school I think you've you got to have, yeah, you got to have some guys that can do a little, bit, a little bit of everything. I mean, sure, I would love to have a bunch of 40% three-point shooters, but if they can't take a dribble without turning it over, then I'm okay, like, I'll pass. I think, like, you know, one of the – and we'll see it on Monday is Milwaukee's fascinating because they got this, the floor spread so wide open mm-hmm. and so much room for the Greek freak to operate, and that's brilliant. I want to see what happens in a playoff series when you need multiple playmakers. You know, I I just I want to see. I mean, I dude, I'm telling – and we talked about this before the season. I believe in that coach as much as any coach yeah. in the league. Dude, coach you were Bud. super high on Milwaukee. Yes, because of the player and because of the coach. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's bearing itself out regular season. But uh, when we get to the playoffs, you're going to need playmakers. You're going to need when they're sitting on all your stuff – you know, and there's also, you know, Harp talks about defense travel. Shooting doesn't travel. You're going to have off nights. So if all these guys are spacing the floor and hitting shots and you're clogging things up for the Greek freak, is someone else going to step up and be a playmaker? Maybe Bledsoe will. May, you know, maybe somebody will. Yeah, and you got Middleton, who you can play through to a degree. But, I mean, your only reliable source of offense, it's very Luka-like. It's, it's Giannis. Okay, and I'm, I know the Golden State Warriors are an extreme example. But that game the other night, Clay Thompson, I think, was 0 for 7 in the first half. Uh, against the Mavs? Yeah. Yeah, he got off to a really bad start. And it didn't which matter. made me very sad. Because, it didn't matter. Yeah. Because he had multiple playmakers. Yeah. And then whenever Clay finally did pick it up in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden Golden State wins. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, it's, it's pretty cool to be able to play through Steph and KD yeah. at the same time. And, or Draymond. Yeah. I mean, shooting yeah. comes and goes. you got to have guys that can create for you when move the, the shots ball. aren't. Yes. Yeah, just the move the ball. ball. 
And so if Dennis is going to be that guy, I mean, this is kind of putting a bow on this. We've talked about it for a very long time, and I want to move on to a couple other things. But if Dennis is the guy, that's awesome. But it's going to take a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. You know, young point guards, I probably I don't know if you were if we were doing a podcast at the time, but right after they drafted him, I was like, this is going to be a process. Yeah. Like, young point guards take time. They take time. Sometimes they take several years. Right. I mean, your average first-time All-Star at a point guard is like 25 years old. Did you see the Lonzo Ball usage rate numbers with LeBron in and out? I did not. So last year, I don't have him in front of me, but last year Lonzo, like, you know, top 20 in the league in usage rate as a rookie point guard. And then LeBron gets here and he drops to like 89th or something. Oh, wow. (laughs) And then LeBron LeBron went out and his use, and you know, he had an additional like 30 touches a game or something. It's just, you know, so it's like there's so much that goes into that learning process. It's having the ball and then not having the ball. And, you know, there's just so much that goes into it. And I'm not sure. I mean, LeBron is great, dude. And there's there's other players in the league who I love that are also like this, but I don't want there to be a situation where if Luca misses a game or if he's on the bench, everything craters. Like right. I want to have players who are used to being focal points. That's right. why I love Dennis. That's why I love Barnes. These are guys that are used to getting a ton of shots. And, and even though them. even though they might not be the most consistent players in the world cuz breaking news, not many players are. Yep. <laughs> like they are still reli- like Barnes can get to the basket. He can hit step back threes. He can make his own shot. Last night they didn't go, but more often than not they do. And that's why I like players like that. Barnes can also shoot 40% on threes. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, that's kind of thoughts on that. I don't know. We'll see how it happens. Maybe something will happen today, and this will be old news instantly. Uh, I know you got some big – you're going to some bigwig meeting. You're going to cut a big business deal or get yeah. some real estate or something. Uh, got some foreign business investors I need to meet. Oh, okay. Wow. Big land deal. Wow, that sounds pretty – Pretty yeah. uh, pretty dark. I Sounds don't know. pretty made up. Oh, made up. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, but before you get out of here, I guess uh, quick thoughts on last night's game. I guess it's pretty relevant right now. If if there's anything you want to say that we haven't said, and then I want to talk about one more thing. Well, I would just say that uh, from a big picture perspective, last night's game is obviously gutting as you cling to playoffs. So after uh, the big Minnesota win, my thought was your next four games are brutal. Five if you want to throw the Clipper game in there on the second night of a back-to-back after you know playing on MLK Day in Milwaukee and then coming home. And I felt like if you really wanted to stay in this playoff picture, it kind of needed to go three and two in those five. I know we keep setting these different – and I know the team doesn't look at it this the way I look at it. Um, and now you're 0-2 for the first two of those. It's tough and, to find three wins in that stretch, but you're right. They're home games. Uh, so now, man, you're asked to, can you go win in Indiana and Milwaukee and then come home and get the Clippers again? So it's getting really, really tough to stay tethered uh, to that playoff race, especially since the team, you know, you lost to at home last night was 7-14 and 14 on the road. And, and I'd lost three out of four. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's getting really, really hard for the Mavs to, to stay in this playoff yeah. race. I will say, though, last night was – pretty bad timing because that was Rudy Gay's first game back and he looked like a guy that had missed a few weeks because he was he was pretty fresh yeah. out there and he made a couple and really he nice went plays at, uh, and pop went at Luca yeah he pop did. wanted Luca to work on defense he did yeah and then in the second half the Mavs adjusted a little bit and Rudy scored on some other guys did you see the effusive praise that pop gave to Luca before the game that was pretty awesome he's a fan yeah uh and then last or I guess one more thought about that Golden State game uh pretty awesome that Despite the fact that half the internet wants to trade Wes, they want to trade Barnes, they want to cut DJ, they want to trade Dennis, they want to fire Rick, 
the Mavs still had a shot to win that game against Golden State. They've been, I mean, it, it doesn't help, you know, when you look at the record, but three great games with Golden State this year, and you won one of them. You came, had a furious comeback on the road. Came down to the last shot in, the, in both yeah. of the two losses, and so, in, the, in the one win, to be fair. Yeah, but, so you're 1-2 and two in those, and then now you're 0-2. Uh, you had a great overtime game against San Antonio on the road earlier this year, but you're still 0-2. Uh, so you're no, you're, and then you got uh, Lakers and uh, Phoenix games that you look at that and you go, man, our record's not good in those games. So there's there's a lot of uh, of disappointment when you start looking at the record as a whole. Great games, competitive games. You're moving, you're you're going places, you're growing. But if you wanted to make the playoffs this year, they're else. Yeah, I mean, related to the playoffs, not great, but. Big picture, if you're playing competitively against the Warriors, despite the fact that everyone believes the sky is falling, then maybe it ain't. Maybe it ain't. Uh, last thing, I hate to end on a negative note, but we haven't gotten a chance to talk about this, and I really I, I don't know that I've heard many other people talk about it because it's sort of the, unfortunately, like the fourth most important storyline with the team right now. But J.J. Barea, who I know is one of your favorite people, yes. and especially one of your favorite Mavs, like yes. probably ever. Yes. And he's one of my favorite Mavs ever. Yes. Love the guy. Love the player. Dude has saved lives. Like he is really, really, really an awesome person. Uh, ruptured his Achilles. He's done for the year, obviously. I don't know if he'll play again. Hopefully he does. He's very uh, adamant that he will. Yeah. And the Mavericks, I mean, Rick right after it said, I'm looking forward to getting him back. Players have all said they want him to see, you know, want to see him back. Right. So hopefully it happens. I don't know if it's going to, I don't know when, I don't know how, whatever. Um, I guess that all is kind of up to, up to the basketball guys, the rehab and everything, but um, not even basketball related. You can make it basketball related if you want, but I just want to hear kind of what you, what you have to say about JJ. Yeah, so uh, JJ is obviously one of my favorite just people in the world of basketball. I love the guy so much. And if you never got around to reading Tim McMahon's piece on JJ, I think for a while McMahon had it pinned on his Twitter account. It might still be. You should go read it. And uh, kudos to Cuban, too, for stepping up and helping JJ do all that stuff for, for Puerto Rico. Um uh, but, I, you know, because he's been here so long, I've gotten to know his buddies. I've gotten to know his parents. When we had the uh, film screening for Bobito Garcia's film, uh, J.J.'s parents were there and dancing. You they know? stayed all night, man. They stayed all night. Yeah. Uh, I just I, I have such a fondness for him. And, you know, I'm not even going to front. I can remember when we when he was in camp, my cousin calling me and going, man, I really like this J.J. Barea guy. And I go, man, he ain't going to make the team. You know, don't fall in love with the undrafted 5'8 guy. I know it's a fun story, and everybody likes Rudy, but come on, dude, be realistic. Yeah. And now I look at him as one of the ten greatest Mavs of all time. And uh, just so much that he's done for the team and what he means and what he's meant for Luka. Um, he's just a, a, he's a special guy, and so that's why everybody was devastated. I mean, I did not enjoy that game, and Luka did incredible stuff, and I was just – I was just bummed all this weekend. Is a hollow, empty feeling. It was man. a hollow, empty feeling. But I have a feeling he'll be around the team next year, working to get back. Uh, you know, I would suspect that they will bring him back on a small contract and help him rehab. Uh, that's my guess. No one's told me that. I'm just, you know, looking at the history of the way the Mavericks do things and who he is and what he means. Uh, but he, he, and also, man, he's done uh, some charity stuff for friends of mine that he didn't have to do that involved not donations, involved his time, right, which pro athletes don't have any of. Yep. So I just – I have such 
high levels of respect for him as a person and what he's meant and all the things that he's done. And so uh, it's it made for uh, a horrific sports weekend for not only him to have the injury, but then the Mavericks to lose to Golden State and the Cowboys get eliminated in the playoffs. And so last weekend sucked for me personally, and I'm sure for a lot of sports fans and Mavs fans, but I can assure everyone that he is going to be here and in the mix. And, like, you're going to start doubting the guy now after everything that he's done. I would be surprised if he doesn't play NBA basketball again. I hope so, man. I hope so. Because nobody – I mean – Nobody ever deserves to see their career end right. in that fashion, but right. especially somebody like J.J., who's given so much to the game and has really asked so little. And, like, he is the the quintessential underdog person. Right. We love an underdog story. Usually right. we see them on, like, movie screens. In their fictional stories. Not in real life, yeah. yeah. I mean, this guy is 5'9 on a good day and, you know, undrafted, four-year college player at Northeastern University, Playing some of the best basketball he's ever played. Yeah, at this 35 season and, yeah. years old. This season and last season, he's done – he's like – you know, it, it's like uh, the way we used to talk about Romo. is like, man, I wish Romo's back could hold up because he knows everything there is to know and he's playing his best football. You know, that was just a random, unexpected injury that you couldn't account for because J.J. was doing everything right to maintain his health and play great basketball in his mid-30s, and he was, and then a freak – Thing happens. Yeah, there was an article. Mark Stein actually wrote it in the New York Times about the Mavs and using blood testing yes. to, you know, increase awareness and and uh, I, I guess help foreshadow potential injuries. And, and JJ, JJ was is the biggest proponent of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And that's how they helped him. I mean, Casey Smith was able to see something was going to happen whenever JJ got hurt a couple of years ago. There was like, all right, there's some warning signs. Right. So let's take it a little more seriously next time. And an Achilles thing you cannot account for. That's not like wear and tear. That is literally a freak accident. I, I've known JJ for a long time, and I've hung out with him socially before. And I nice got, brag. No, nice no, brag. I'm, it's not because <laughs> of me. It's because JJ's a welcoming, good yeah. person, right? Yeah. And uh, so when I got to uh, Boston. Uh, It was late Thursday. Well, it was late for me. I'd been up since 4 in the morning. But it was like 8 o'clock Boston time. Get to the team hotel. And the players had just come back from a bowling event. So I'm I'm just walking in. I'm actually trying to grab some food at the little hotel restaurant bar there. And JJ walks up. And I was like, hey, man, you want to go, you know, grab grab beer or whatever? He's like, man, I got to get my rest. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where it's like in the past, yeah, sure, it's 8 o'clock, whatever. But he was so adamant about doing all the exact right things, the sleep that he needed, all that stuff, that that was an example of it to me. Because in the past, we'd go grab beer or whatever, go grab some nachos or whatever. He'd do it, Mm. but he was very adamant about, I've got to stay on this so I can perform and be the person I need to be. And then one week later, frickin' a kid. That happens, yeah. Yeah. And generally, off nights in an NBA city, some players like to have fun, sure. whether that's drinking or just going out to a restaurant, having right. a nice meal, whatever. A year ago, we were in Boston, and this is right after Hurricane Maria. Northeastern was coincidentally playing a game that night. They oh, turned wow. it into a fundraiser for JJ's uh, foundation to help raise some money to help in, in the hurricane relief efforts. So a, a pretty big contingent, probably about eight or ten of us, went from the Mavs. Um, me and a, a couple other, like the media people, but then you know some assistant coaches mm-hmm. and staff and all that stuff. And uh, after the game, J.J. didn't want to go home. He actually took us on a tour of his campus. Oh, my God, showed that's us, awesome. like, the dorm he stayed in. And yeah. Took us, took us to see this guy. It was the most, like, picturesque thing, this little tiny bar 
with this old bartender. This guy's probably 80 years old who's been running that place for 50 years. And he was telling us stories about when JJ was in college. And I would have paid money. Dude, to go it was on the that. coolest thing. You it lucky was, bastard. It was That's the awesome. coolest thing ever. Yeah. And, and just like. It's me and a bunch of schmucks, and JJ's just taking us around an entire campus. He's just, he's just a real person, man. Yeah. He's just a real the coolest ass guy. dude. Yeah. Just the coolest guy ever. So cheers to you, JJ. Love it you, sucks dog. what happened, but hopefully you come back and come back better than ever. Absolutely. And um, hopefully our next podcast is better than ever. I don't know what it's going to be like a week from now. Um, Undefeated? There's really well, yeah. You and me, obviously. Yeah, I mean. In fact, bro. dude, let me it, let me let me stall for time a little bit because this might be uh, some history, real real quick. I just. I mean, wanna, you could always just edit this out if you wanted to. Should I like? No, I'm not going to edit anything, dude. I don't. You think I edit this podcast? This is episode number 47. Is that of this right? Year podcast, yeah. So in three weeks, we're going to be doing ep 50. So wow. let's let's do it big for. You want to have a birthday 50. cake and all that stuff? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's eat a cake on the on the <laughs> air. that's that's gonna be dude we had that one too. podcast where shelby brought in some guacamole oh, yeah will shelby make some cake for us for episode 50 well, she did she was talking about making ooey gooey cake she yeah. ended up oh, doing right. it and yes. it was freaking so good dude shelby rocks yeah shelby's great might be my favorite mav employee you're just gonna say that right in front of me huh? yeah and you agree with me and right after we just got done talking about jj you agree with me yeah that's true it's like well, okay, non-Dirk division. Uh-huh. Right, there's always a Dirk yeah, division. Non, yeah, non-Dirk division. I don't even consider yeah. those guys employees, right? They're yeah. just, they exist in some other sphere. They're 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 above us, yeah. for sure. Shout uh, out Shelby, though. Yeah, shout out Shelby. Shout out to everybody who's listening, who's following this team. It's, I, I know it's emotional right now, and there's a whole lot of stuff going on, and sometimes it kind of sucks, but, hey, I mean... It's still Life basketball. and sports, bro. And it is way better today than it was a year ago. Absolutely. And it was way better a year ago than it was a year before that. So Absolutely. things are going the right way. That's Hopefully right. we're going to turn this around quick. But uh, we'll see, man. Skin, thank you for joining me on this journey. Boom, let's we'll go. see you next week. It is numbers on the boards.